I want us now to, to turn to the words of the scripture. And we have several folks who are reading this morning for us. From Genesis uh, 45, the story of Joseph, remember, who goes to Egypt and then comes uh, and, and rises through the ranks and then saves the world from famine. We hear of that moment where he meets his brothers who had sold him into slavery. And now, later on in their lives, he is the one who's providing for them. Psalm 37 reminds us to be patient in the Lord, that he will deliver us and that we can wait for that deliverance and be confident of it. 1 Corinthians 15 speaks to us of the resurrection. So what we see happening in Joseph, what we're called to by the psalm, is also meant for us who one day will die, but can also be confident that when we wait on the Lord, he too will raise us up in glory. And then we hear the Sermon on the Plain from Jesus, Luke chapter 6, where he calls us um, even to love our enemies. That's not a word that I hear very often in our present moment, but it's the one that Jesus calls us to. So listen carefully and listen well to these words from Scripture. From Genesis chapter 45, verses 3 to 11 and 15. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been a famine in the land. And for the next five years, there will not be plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant of earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me lord of all Egypt, Come down to me, don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me, you, your children, and your grandchildren, your flocks and herds, and all you have. I will provide for you there because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to you will become destitute. And he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. Afterward, his brothers talked about him and with him. And now Psalm 37, verses 1 through 11 and 39, 40. Do not fret because of evil men, or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pastures. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit 
your ways to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make you righteous, your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. For evil men will be cut off, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit land. A little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy great peace. The salvation of righteousness comes from the Lord. He is our stronghold in time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. From 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 35 to 38 and 42 to 50. The resurrection body. But someone may ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. <clears throat> when you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just the seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body as he has determined, and to each kind of seed he gives its own body. So shall it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable, and it is sown in dishonor. If it is, ra it is raised in glory, it is sown in weakness. It is raised in power, it is sown a natural body. It is a raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being, the last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual do not come first, but the natural, and after that, the spirit. The first man was the dust of the earth, the second man from heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the man from heaven, so are those who are of heaven. And just as we have become born the likeness of the earthly man, so shall we bear the likeness of the man from heaven. I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Uh, Dale spoke of and read of the, the first man, Adam, who was made from the dust of the ground, but also spoke of the second man who's, who's come from heaven, who is Christ our Lord. It says, just like we are, like Adam, made of dust, so also shall we be like the one, Jesus, who comes from heaven. And these are his words from Luke chapter 6, beginning with the 27th verse. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. 
Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, don't demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be the sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The results of your COVID-19 test were positive. That's the word I got on the phone a couple weeks ago. Um, As I was presently nursing achy joints and had a bad headache and then the rest of those symptoms that maybe many of you have experienced too, showed up swiftly after uh, sore throat, stuffy nose, hacking cough, the startling waves of fatigue that pluck you from consciousness and then toss you like some tasty morsel into the gaping jaws of sleep. Um, Sometime later, I'd wake up, take up some little task, and then get swallowed up yet again. It was a strange illness. Uh, Our family's thankful to be well and thankful that the Bledsoe's and uh, the Hendricks family's well too. They were sick at the same time that we were. And we are grateful uh, that none of us had more than what, you know, folks call a mild case. Uh, We know that's not been true for everyone, certainly, and that's not been true for everyone in our church. Uh, But speaking of our church, I do want to say right at the beginning uh, that we are so grateful for you. Um, I I can't imagine being loved and cared for uh, any more than you have for us. Uh, You gave us space to rest. You prayed for us. You checked on us. You brought meals and sent Valentine's Day cards and brought goodie bags full of crafts and projects for the kids. You offered to bring us groceries. You helped us to heal. And beyond just caring for us, you carried on the work of the church in such wonderful ways. Uh, Chip preaching, and and Debbie and Chuck and Patty and Marie and Wiley and Jessica and Charlene and Jimmy and Lindsay teaching, and Bobby making space for a children's Valentine's Day celebration, and Sandy inviting, and 19 kids showing up and loving every minute of it, including and especially the chocolate. Um, John operated cameras and set up uh, chairs for Sunday school while Joy made the worship service available um, on YouTube for all of our dear ones who are participating even right now with us from a distance. Um, In all of this, in sickness and in health and joy and in sorrow, God's power and presence and love um, and goodness was experienced and received and shared. Um, And so I'm thankful. I appreciate you and and I'm proud of you too. And it's a blessing for us to love and serve and live alongside you guys in this place and as part of this church. So, with that said, the dramatic 
reading of my COVID-19 message <laughs> to start. Uh, let us also go to the Lord in prayer. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you are good, and your steadfast love endures forever, and your faithfulness to each generation. So we give you thanks that you have called us together this day, that you have brought us together here with the other folks in this room, also part of your body, those loved by you and loved by us, that we might worship you, that we might ask your forgiveness and be renewed in your forgiveness that we might hear your word read and now proclaimed. And so we pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts would be pleasing unto you, O Lord, our rock, our healer, and our redeemer. Amen. Um, so a week ago, I also, or a little more, I got um, a text from T. Gatewood, my friend on the other side of Hickory Neck Gap Road. Uh, he, he launched that thing up over the hill and it landed on my phone and he said, hey, among other things, uh, let me know how I can pray for you. <clears throat> so I responded. I said, uh, it'd, be, it'd be nice that we you know, keep healing up, keep getting stronger, that kind of stuff. But I also asked for him to pray for me that I would begin to learn whatever God might want me to know, that I might be changed in whatever God, way God might want me to be changed throughout this process of getting sick and getting better. Uh, from being ill to being restored. And um, I asked for that because so often in my own experience, my approach to suffering, and honestly, we didn't suffer that much. We did suffer some, and when you're in the midst of a pandemic and you get whatever sickness is associated with that, I mean, the, cross, the thought crosses your mind, well, how am I going to handle this? Or how will my children deal with this? How will it go? You don't really know at the beginning. And so in the midst of whatever suffering we did endure, I've, I've had this question because usually my approach to suffering is to just get out of it as quick as possible. If something hurts, well, stop doing that thing so that it will stop hurting. If you're sick, if something's hard or challenging or difficult, my objective usually is to flee from that thing, to escape that thing, to just get out of the way of it so that things will be okay again. In my uh, online class that I took last fall, um, had to, it was on ethics. And one of the basic frameworks that the teacher gave us was this path that most of us, this, this sort of revolving door that most of us experience and walk in life, a move away from pain and towards pleasure. And that's how most of us function most all the time, myself included. We try to get away from pain and we try to get away from that by pursuing pleasure. And there's all manner of pain in the world. And there's also all kinds of pleasure. Some of which are good and some are not. His, he said, this is kind of the way of the world. But the way of the Christian is the way of suffering and joy. So there's some invitation there not just to run away from the hurt, the suffering, the illness, the difficulty but to receive it as an opportunity for repentance which leads to joy. We're not just trying to get away from what hurts and move towards what feels good. We're trying to have our lives transformed. And suffering plays a part in that. And so I realized, both in conversation with that class last year, but also my present experience for a couple of weeks of illness, 
that, yeah, usually I just run away from pain towards pleasure. But that is not the way of the saints who've gone before us. Um, the book of Hebrews tells us that Jesus himself learns obedience by the things that he suffers. Jesus. If Jesus suffers and learns something from it, then perhaps I'm also uh, able to do that as well. This obedience of Christ, which he learns through suffering, becomes actually the very thing that enables um, and, and precipitates his ascension to glory. Which also makes possible his blessing of the world. So just take the last week of his life. The Passion Week, his week of suffering, suffering on the cross and death. Enables and makes possible then his resurrection, his ascension in glory. And then when Christ ascends... Now, Lord, over heaven and earth, having gone to the very depths, he rises to the very heights, and he gives us what? The gift of the Spirit, the blessing of the Holy Spirit. Suffering, which leads to glory, which leads to blessing. I'm going to let you like, take a quick glance at your bulletin. Have you seen the, t the sermon title? Suffering, glory, and blessing. We've just arrived at something I'm hoping to communicate. Um, our scripture readings seem to bear this pattern out pretty well. Uh, you heard something of Joseph's story just a, a bit ago. Chuck read it. Um, Joseph, you know, that youngest brother who was nearly murdered by his older brothers. Can you imagine? Escaping death only to find himself bound by the chains of slavery in Egypt. Um, he was falsely accused during his years of enslavement. He was disbelieved. He endured not a couple weeks of sort of, you know, not too terrible suffering like I did, but year after year after year, nearly a lifetime of struggle. Plucked from the vigor of youth like some tasty morsel, Joseph was ground by the gnashing teeth of unjust suffering. Uh, yes, Joseph suffered. It arrived at his door in the form of his own family. Yes, Joseph faced death on multiple occasions. He suffered. And yet, Joseph was also reformed, transformed by God's presence with him in the midst of all of that. So that his story actually ends as a testimony to God's sovereignty and faithfulness to turn evil into good. Because what others meant for evil, God worked out for Joseph's good. And in fact, his glory. He became even the father to Pharaoh. In those days, Pharaohs came up and they were pretty young. And here Joseph is this older statement. He puts Joseph in charge of everything, the whole nation. He rises from suffering, ends up in glory. But it wasn't just for his own sake, was it? In fact, Joseph's glory led to the blessing of the world. During a time of famine, they came to him and he fed them. See how that works. Um, there's, this, there's this biblical and experiential truth known by those who suffer and who belong to God that with God's help, suffering through suffering comes glory for the individual and blessing for the world. So that pattern, suffering, glory, blessing, is evident in the life of Jesus through his faithful suffering on the cross. He's glorified, and then the whole world is given the blessing of forgiveness and new life. That pattern is clear in the life of Joseph. Through his faithful suffering, he rises to glory in Egypt and blesses the world with food. That pattern is clear in the life of King David, who wrote today's psalm at Winterred. 
You know, though, though David is unjustly driven out into the wilderness by King Saul, who also seeks his death, David does not return evil for evil, anticipating some of the words of Christ in the gospel reading, but is faithful even in exile. This faithfulness leads to David's ascension in glory to become king of Israel, right? Suffering to glory, which enables the blessing of the nation as its borders expand and as peace is known in that place. Suffering, glory, blessing. Um, this pattern which we see in the scriptures, in the life of Jesus, Joseph, David, is, is also the pattern of the world. Now we're giving biblical examples here. And so you might be, because sometimes when I read the Bible, I'm also tempted to, to distance myself from the actual lived nature of some of these things or to spiritualize these truths but struggle to connect them to my own life. Um, so I don't want us to look at the Bible for a minute. Let's not look at the Bible. I want us to look at Kenneth. Kenneth Pritz, Joy's son Kenneth, who is sleeping in this morning after a wrestling tournament that lasted a weekend where he plays third in the state as a freshman. Um, I want us to look at Kenneth for a minute. I told him he was going to be in the sermon today. And uh, he was like, oh, that's so embarrassing. So since he avoided it, let's, uh, next time you see him, really embarrassing. <clears throat> so Kenneth knows something about suffering and glory. Two weeks ago, Kenneth was named as the MVP, or, or most valuable wrestler, at the Avery County High School State Championship meet. As a freshman, Avery won the state championship. Kenneth, as a freshman on that team, uh, won the most valuable wrestler of the whole tournament, the state championship tournament. They, uh, they stood him up in front of everyone. They hung a medal around his neck. Uh, they wrote about him in the paper and on social media. They recognized him at his school and in our community, and that's the glory part, isn't it? Um, but what came before glory? Suffering. Yeah, so, oh, the suffering part... For Kenneth, happened as he covered himself in sweat clothes and cut weight for his match. That doesn't feel good. The suffering part took place as he spent hours upon hours upon hours on the mat, learning technique, learning perseverance, learning how to not give up, um, to be in painful circumstances, painful positions where he suffers, but continuing to push forward, to not stop, to not quit. And... As he did that, not for a couple days or for a weekend tournament, as he did that and as he's done that for months and actually years and years upon years to get to this point, um, he learned to suffer well with his teammates, with the other people with him, and in obedience to his coach. And from that suffering emerged the possibility for glory, medals around your neck, standing on the top of podiums, and also for the blessing that like has extended to other people who've been able to celebrate him, to experience his victory and success, and to enjoy it. Not only folks like us, but people on his own team and in his family. Suffering and glory, which leads to blessing. There it is. It's easy to see, isn't it? It's how the world works. Jesus shows us the pattern of the world. Or if, if maybe that, you know, goodness, if I, if I stepped on a wrestling mat, I think I would immediately just like, be conformed to the picture of a pretzel, like without even facing anyone. I don't. I can't relate to that much at all. So maybe you can either. I don't know. But 
maybe you can imagine a mother gazing into the wide eyes uh, of the infant she cradles in her arms. Think of them smiling at one another. That's glory, isn't it? That is this moment of transcendence and beauty. But what comes before glory? Suffering comes before glory, yes. Uh, Swelling of hands and feet, the nausea, the poor sleep at night, the waddling back and forth during the day, the contractions, the labor pains, the, the literal hurt. But that suffering is the possibility of and the precursor for the glory. It's the precursor that enables the celebration of new life. And then the blessing of shared love. Suffering, which leads to glory and blessing. You know, there's a bunch of people in our church uh, who plan to run a 200-mile relay race in the late summer, starting in Virginia, terminating in Asheville. Um, Not real hard to imagine the suffering associated with that, is it? Uh, Suffering happens as they train. Suffering suffering happens as they run. Glory happens as they cross the finish line, as they celebrate, as they might get a medal around their neck and whatever, like, buffet line of food extends there to celebrate. Um, And the blessing happens as they turn to one another, as they experience that glory together. The thing they've worked hard for, suffered for, joined each other in, has now come to fruition. The goal has been attained and they can enjoy the blessing of that together. It's how the world works. Jesus shows us the pattern of the world. There's a bunch of people in this room who've been in the military. We're serving in in a like capacity. Uh, You you get up in the morning and you drill. You train. You pull up, you push up, you sit up, you run. Um, You suffer with your team. Uh, You crawl through the mud, march through the forest. Sometimes you fight. You suffer. And that is what makes the glory of victory possible, which results in the blessing of peace. Suffering, glory, blessing. It's the way the world works. Jesus shows us the pattern of the world. It's the way your life works. And if it is true that Jesus shows us that pattern, and if suffering well, if suffering well, and struggling in the midst of hardship in order to learn obedience ends in glory and the blessing of others. And if that is true for Jesus, Jesus and Joseph and David and Kenneth and birthing mothers and crazy relay runners and striving soldiers and you and me, then the question that has been taking shape in my mind is this. How can I learn to do that well? How can I learn to suffer well and not just run from it and get away from it always, which seems to be my number one goal? How can I enter into illness even or enter into failure or enter into hardship and hard things in a way that I might learn obedience like Jesus by the things that I suffer and so bring glory to God and blessing to others? So the past couple weeks, you know, that's a lifetime question, right? We'll all be figuring that out. Uh, but a begin- the beginnings of an answer appear, perhaps. Um, and maybe this is a good time to think of them as, hopefully we're at the beginning of the end of a pandemic, we hope, uh, but it continues. Maybe as this season of Lent gets ready to s- jumpstart, this time of intentional suffering, intentionally limiting ourselves, uh, refraining from taking on all the pleasures of the world so that we might actually be cha- transformed in that process. 
even as a, a, a prayer vigil. A pr- oh, man, can you guys hear the, the, uh, uh, the invitation right here? Even as a prayer vigil gets ready to start on Friday, where you might not feel good, where you might get sleepy, where you might suffer and say, I'm bored, I don't know what to do. <clears throat> Come. How can you enter into suffering well in such a way that God's purposes begin to emerge in your own life. Here's four quick things. One, look to Jesus. His name is God with us for a reason. He has promised never to leave you nor to forsake you. And that includes all the days of your glory, but also all the days of your suffering. He has walked this lonesome valley so that you will never have to and you will never walk it on your own. He will be with you. Jesus has struggled perfectly and lived perfectly and His glory is your glory and His blessing is your blessing. He wants to turn what is evil in your life for your good. Work it out for your good, just as He did for Joseph. In fact, He has promised this for you, to take what is evil in your life, to work it out for your good and for the blessing of others. Look to Jesus when you suffer, but also look to Christ's body, the church. Often when we suffer, when we suffer, sometimes our temptation can be to pull away or to distance ourselves or to separate our life from the common life of God's people. Sometimes we wrongly think that maybe we're a bit contagious, that our suffering's contagious, like COVID-19 or something, and the suffering will just spread. Sometimes we think that we're not worthy to be a part of things unless we're all put together and we have it figured out. Sometimes we forget that Jesus commands us to bear one another's burdens, which means that sometimes you have to take the weight of the world off your own shoulders and allow someone else to carry it for you for a time. Sometimes we forget that we are not sufficient in and of ourselves and that in the gift of the people in this room, God gives us who and what we need. Sometimes we need, speaking from personal experience, others to pray for us and to fix food, for others to snatch us from the gnashing teeth of the dark abyss and lead, help to lead us back into the light of God's life. Look to Jesus, look to His body, the church, and continue to hope. That's the third part. Romans 5 tells us to rejoice in your sufferings. And I'm not sure that I've ever done that in my life. To rejoice in your sufferings because you know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character And character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out His love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. If you struggle to integrate that into your own life, just think about Kenneth the wrestler. Suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. Character produces hope. It's there in the world. It's there in the pattern of our lives. And it's true. So look to Jesus. Look to His body, the church. Continue to hope. And also celebrate. Um, You know, I was sick. And now I'm well. Thank God. Praise God for that. I, I was once just a sinner. But now in Jesus Christ, I am also, even in the midst of that, counted for His sake as righteous. Thank God for that. Let's celebrate. I once was lost, but now in Him I am found. I was blind, but now I'm beginning to see. I'm not fully transformed. I continue to suffer. Perhaps those things are intertwined. But one day I shall be well. You shall be all well. All manner of things shall be well. 
And our lives, which are hid with Christ and God, will be revealed. There is hope and there is celebration. That's why we celebrate at this table and Christ shares his life with us. That's why at the end of a relay race, you have a buffet table of food and you celebrate with those who are around you. That's why at the end of a tournament, you get together and you celebrate and you eat afterwards. Whatever you want. Funnel cakes and Dippin' Dots included, I think, was Kenneth's menu. Right? Don't forget to celebrate. How do we suffer well? Look to Jesus. Look to the church. Continue to hope. And celebrate the victories you see. Whether they look like resurrection glory. like 1 Corinthians 15 speaks of our spiritual body. Whether they look like Kenneth's MVP medal. Whether they sound like a newborn's first cry. Or the final cry of a saint as they depart for glory. Suffering glory and blessing. It's the pattern of life we see revealed in Jesus. And in his saints. So let's join him and them together as we continue that journey too. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.